Chapter 5. What a disaster. Still drying his eyes, Paddy went through a continuous cycle of horror, fear and panic. He was stood stock still, beak wide open, staring out of the full-length window ahead of him. The train picked up speed, and London's landscape melted into a furious concrete blur. Once Paddy regained his senses, he retreated despondently to his previous hideout, behind the luggage in the corner. He was in between two sealed-off cabins, so he was safely out of sight of the passengers, for now. He kept as still as he could, but couldn't resist the odd jerky head movement or shake of his feathers. Luckily, nobody was around when he did so. Paddy was questioning what had happened. Where had his wires been crossed? Why was he going to Paris and not Trafalgar? He thought it had been going so well, and all that he had to remember was King's Cross to Charing Cross, and voila. To find out where he'd gone wrong, he popped his head up from behind the suitcase for another read of the train's poster. A short hop from King's Cross, and voila. It immediately clicked. There was no mention of Charing Cross there, whatsoever. In his blind rushing, Paddy had ignored a crucial part of his journey, the destination. He cursed his stupidity and naivety, entrusting the young crows with their directions. He should have flown directly to Nelson and his column, just as the old crow had told him to. Paddy vowed that he would never again mistrust a wise old head with 30 years' experience, even if he was a grumpy old fogey. Paddy now had to collect himself. Paris isn't that far, he thought. After all, it could have been worse. Much worse. He could have been trapped on a plane to the other side of the world. All Paddy would have to do, in theory, is hop off the train in Paris, change platforms, and get back on another Eurostar train to London. For now, that was the least of his worries. More pressing matters were at hand. First things first. Refreshment, Paddy said under his breath. He needed to find that snack trolley, the one mentioned on the poster. But he couldn't just march down the train to look for it. There'd be a riot. Paddy needed to put in place a food strategy, because two hours without a snack for a pigeon is entirely intolerable. In the open air, it's no problem. Fly to a different spot, find a new snack, run out of snacks, go somewhere else. But in a crowded train, he would need to be stealthy. Pigeons aren't expected, nor desired, in such places. Minutes later, a miraculous opportunity arose. A hissing, whooshing sound of air burst out. It sounded like the airlock release of a spacecraft. One of the cabin doors was sliding open. A snack trolley, filled with treats, gradually emerged through the sliding door from the cabin to his right, being carefully pushed and pulled by two of the train's staff members. Paddy kept himself concealed behind the bags, but could just about make out the tops of people's heads as the cabin door had opened. Thankfully, none of the heads were looking his way. As the food moved into his field of view, Paddy's eyes widened. It looked to him at least, as if an alien spaceship had just entered his domain, carrying all of his favourite snacks. 
salt and vinegar crisps, milk chocolate and biscotti. Paddy was salivating. Then, out of nowhere, a piercing cry rang out from the cabin where the trolley had just come from. Paddy noticed that the staff looked panicked. He couldn't understand what they were panicked about, but he could read their expressions. Had someone seen the pigeon hiding in the bags? Maybe the staff were discussing what to do. Paddy instantly ducked for cover to ensure he was out of view. Yet before long, the temptation to look at the snacks again became too much for the young pigeon to bear. When he couldn't wait any longer, he cautiously peered over the top of the bags for another look at the snack trolley. Astonishingly, the staff had disappeared. Paddy became convinced they'd gone to get help and would return to come and capture him to eradicate the pigeon problem that was on board. Paddy's gut feeling said he needed to move to find a new hiding place. Conveniently, the bottom shelf of the snack trolley was open and there was a perfectly pigeon-sized spot for Paddy to jump into. There were some crisp packets too to shield him. What's more, Paddy could see a few tantalising crumbs scattered next to one of the wheels. He eventually succumbed to the magnetising force of the scraps on the floor and clambered out from behind the luggage to peck away. If anybody came through the doors now, he'd be in full sight of not only the staff, but the passengers in the adjacent cabin. Despite this, he pecked and pecked and pecked. Mmm, so salty and vinegary, he said in his head. The tang was delightful. After a period of intense gorging, Paddy snapped back to reality. He was fully exposed. The staff would be coming back soon, and if they hadn't seen him already, they'd almost certainly see him in the luggage area, which was now covered with loose pigeon feathers. The last thing he wanted was to cause a scene. Hoovering up the remaining scraps, Paddy hopped up onto the bottom shelf of the trolley and nestled between some bags of crisps for some protection from the outside world. In spite of that, though, if anyone looked hard enough at the lower half of the trolley, Paddy would be seen. But it was unlikely, since people on trains are usually more concerned with looking out of the window or stuffing food in their mouths than what might be lurking in the bottom of the snack trolley. Paddy fancied his chances. After a brief crisp foil rustling when he had bundled his way in, all went quiet. The only remaining sound was the persistent rumbling of the train over the tracks. Paddy had now satisfied his hunger, and now he felt safe and secure. All a bird needs, really. It was dark in the bottom shelf of the trolley, which was good. Easier to see out than in. And the first thing Paddy saw were two pairs of shiny black shoes repositioning themselves at either ends of the trolley. The staff were back, unaware of the bird that was hidden beneath the snacks. Soon they'd be moving on to the next cabin. From Paddy's tucked away position beneath a bag of McCoy's Thai sweet chicken, he could hear muffled, indistinguishable voices above him. Was he being talked about? He certainly hoped not. Then the ground shifted. He felt himself moving on the trolley. The staff were pushing on to the next cabin. Paddy was effectively on a train, within a train. His pulse jumped up a notch. 
or ten, as they entered the next cabin, filled with passengers. Surprisingly, the background noise shifted, somewhat agreeably to Paddy. It was more subdued, more refined in this part of the train. Paddy had no idea why, but the carpet had switched from a brownie orange to a luxurious royal blue. He adjusted his view from within the trolley, between a bag of peanuts and a pack of crackers, to offer a better look. The royal blue carpet was soft, deep pile, with an elegant design. It looked sophisticated. Little did Paddy know he had just entered first class. From his low position, he noticed other things too. Feet shuffling under seats or tapping rhythmically. He even caught the eye of a small child who was crawling around on the floor. Paddy expected a wail, a cry of terror from the youngster at the sight of a bird on a train. Yet to this child, this situation was no more abnormal than what was already happening. Being on a train that was going under the ocean to another country was crazy enough, probably. What difference did Paddy's presence make to her? She must have assumed it was all part of the experience, entertainment for the journey. She smiled and waved a little paw at Paddy. Paddy smiled in return. The moment of connection between Bird and Baby was broken by an outburst of smug, cackling laughter ringing throughout the cabin. The sound of money to the human ear. Yet to Paddy, each laugh reminded him of the graveyard and the screeching death cries of the crows. If Paddy didn't survive this journey, the Morrigan and her cronies would most likely be coming for him, the undertakers preparing him for his afterlife. One thing was for certain, and that was that Paddy would have loved to have used his powers of courage to find a way out of this mess. Ironically, he was far too scared for that, so stayed right where he was. His fear was amplified shortly afterwards. A staff member reached down to the lower part of the trolley for a bag of crisps, inches from where Paddy was laying. It was the only cover between him and the outside world of the cabin. If the staff member reached down for another bag of crisps, she would fumble for a packet and instead grab a London street pigeon. Paddy needed a new hiding place. He needed to get off the train within the train. He kept still while it moved on a few feet, before it pulled up beside an open weekend bag laying on the floor. The zips were open and the bag revealed its interior, invitingly for a pigeon looking for cover. It was comfortably large enough for Paddy to fit in and would provide protection on all sides. In addition, the bag was finely crafted. Designer. Golden hand stitching and a paisley silk lining. Yet Paddy didn't have a discerning eye for accessories. It may have been a designer bag for a person, but a designer bed for a pigeon. It looked perfect. In a moment, in a moment of madness, Paddy hopped down onto the carpet. If the trolley moved now, he'd be revealed to the whole cabin. He had seconds to hop into the bag unseen. He wedged one leg in, then the other, followed by his head and his right wing. The other, the left one, caught, stuck in the zip. Paddy flapped hard, just once, out of sheer panic. He was freed and in the bag.
Some passengers had sensed a disturbance, but the feeling soon passed away. The trolley moved on. That was close. Paddy looked out from within, through the eye-shaped opening of the bag and onto the carpet. He could see feet shifting, stretching, resting. Paddy's heart slammed, almost ready to burst through his breast. How on earth would he get out of this? After a few minutes of getting comfortable inside the weekend bag, Paddy wrested back control of his senses. His pounding heart soon soothed and settled as he nestled into the beautifully soft fabric. The bag was the warmest and cosiest nest he had ever been in. He basked in its smoothness, and his worries, one by one, faded away. His eyes slid shut. Paddy began to dream. He found himself in Trafalgar Square, pigeon paradise, but it was empty. No people, no pigeons, just Nelson on top of his column. Then Paddy saw something, a flash, a sparkle, a glimmer in Nelson's eye. Paddy was drawn to it and soared upwards to inspect. The light was shiny and alluring and was getting brighter and bigger and brighter and bigger still. It was the light at the end of the tunnel, like being carried up to the heavens by angels. Paddy arrived in front of Nelson's body, floating, bathed in sunlight and warmth, drifting on air. Magically, Nelson came to life. A moving stone statue. It was mesmerising. Nelson's first movement was to raise his sword with his one good hand. Paddy felt sure he was about to be knighted and leaned forward, expecting the flat side of the blade to gently come down to his shoulder. Sir Patrick Jr. had a nice ring to it, he was thinking. But no. Instead, a vague high-pitched squeal crescendoed, the kind of sound that might signal the end of the world, and rather than placing his sword on Paddy's shoulder, the moving statue swung for Paddy's neck. Paddy froze, hovering in the air at the height of Nelson's waist, the perfect height for a decapitation. Nelson swivelled, heaving his enormous stone sword towards Paddy's head. Paddy realised he could do nothing. Right as the fatal blow was delivered, and just as the sword struck, Paddy woke up, and his eyes opened. He'd awoken from his dream to the nightmare of his reality. <coughs> Shouts and yells were coming from all corners of the cabin. Paddy's rise to Nelson in his dream was actually, in real life, the sensation of being lifted up while laying asleep in a designer bag. And the sound that sounded like the end of the world, that was the screeching of the bag's owner. It's a bird! A bloody bird! In my bloody bag! Get it out! Out! Paddy did an involuntary poop all over the bag's lining. After a few seconds of being frozen still, all hell broke loose. Paddy hurled himself upwards and out of the bag, straight into the ceiling of the train. With a big bump of his head, he spun around in a dizzy frenzy, desperately throwing himself into the windows to try and find fresh air. Then another cry from the bag's owner, once they had fully inspected Paddy's makeshift nest. And he pooped in it too! I want him shot, put down, thrown in a cage! Punish the beast! 
there was pandemonium in the first-class cabin. Umbrellas were opened to protect, any, to protect against any further poops. Parents screamed, and children mostly giggled. But most importantly for the passengers, all the other designer bags on board were rapidly zipped up and stowed away. The staff members who had been pushing Paddy within the trolley reached for a nearby bin. It was full with passenger rubbish, but this was an emergency. They emptied the contents of the bin into another bin, and the contents of that bin into another one. Now there were two empty bins, two bird traps. And brandishing the bin traps, the staff squatted down, like tennis players waiting to receive a serve, shifting their weight from foot to foot. They closed in, while the raucous, barely human noises provided the musical backdrop. The first staff member made an impulsive dive for Paddy. The bin slammed onto the floor of the train. Missed. Paddy shuddered and instinctively bolted for the cabin exit. However, the doors were firmly shut and securely, like the spacecraft airlock he'd imagined earlier. No getting out now. Paddy slammed and slammed, but as he lost energy, he could no longer resist the inevitability of capture. As he fell for the final time, he felt his fall to the luxurious royal blue carpet in slow motion. One of the black bins descended over Paddy's fragile and bruised frame. Its shadow was enveloping him. The Morrigan would surely be coming for him now, taking him to his birdie death. He had accepted his fate. Paddy's world went black.